0: All right, no, no slides for scriptures this morning. I know you all got cell phones, right? So get them out and go to your Bible app, because we're going to be looking at quite a few scriptures this morning. And if you happen to get your phone out and you go to Facebook or you go to ESPN, I'll never know. I'll think you're just following right along with me. But the first scripture we want to go to this morning is found in First Timothy chapter 1, Verse number 12. First Timothy 1:12. I'm going to talk a little bit about ministry this morning, as Pastor Norm has mentioned last week on ministry and our giftings and our works of service and doing this together, and we are the church, and let's take the church outside of the church. Uh, talk a little bit about ministry this morning. First thing I'd like to say is, I do not have to fear. Most of the time we fear when it's coming about talking about Jesus. We shouldn't, but we do. God has not given us a spirit of fear, correct? But he has given us a sound mind to not only to share a testimony, but to be a testimony. Sometimes shining a light is better than speaking too much at the wrong time. A light has value as we noticed this morning as electricity went out in Vanderbilt and I think it went out in Gaylor too, didn't it? But first Timothy chapter 1 verse number 12 it says this, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice he says our. Not my Lord but he's Lord of all of us. We're one body fitly framed together, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me. Now he's getting personal. Who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. Most of the time when we think of ministry, we think of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. That's the ministry. But the ministry is far beyond that as we're going to see this morning. Notice what Paul said, I thank. It's Very important that we thank the Lord every day. Very important to let Him know what we think of Him. Yes, we can thank Him in the best times, and we can thank Him in the worst times. Why? Because God is able to make all grace abound so that we might have everything that we have need of. He's our sufficiency, isn't He? And He knows when, why, where. Let him fill in the blanks for us. Notice what he said. I am enabled. God counted him faithful. We're going to find out in a few minutes where he was and where he came from and where he went. Verse number 7 says, no fear. No fear. 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy rather, says no fear. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7. Reading from the King James Version, it says this, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, he says in verse number 8, I am not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's not be ashamed of what Jesus has done. And more importantly, what Jesus has done for us. And he goes on to say, I have a testimony in verse number 8. Testimony. You've got a testimony. And that's what ministry is all about. Verse number 9, who has saved us. God is mighty to save, isn't he? Think about who you were and what you are. He is mighty to save. And called us with a holy calling. Not only does he save us, but he calls us. He's given to us. Slide number two. I do not have to fear failure in ministry for it is God who enables me to do the work of the ministry. Failure is part of life. But failure can cause us to rise above defeat and push on towards victory. That's what resurrection power is all about. That I might know Him. And the power of his resurrection. We do not have to live in defeat. We do not have to live in our past failures. But we can rise above them and push on towards victory. In 1 Timothy Timothy chapter 1, let's go back there again. Verse number 13, he tells us who he was. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious? But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Who was he before? What was his testimony? I was a blasphemer. He was slanderous. He was railing people. He was harming people. He was a persecutor. He pulled Christians out of their homes and dragged them to prison. And know what else? He probably. Physically injured many of them, for he said, I was injurious. Verse number 9, it talks about shameful acts in Acts chapter 9. So life boils down to one question. Who do you want to serve? Do you want to serve sin? Do you want to serve self? Or do you want to serve Christ? Paul was a spiritual failure. But... Verse number 13 says, I obtained mercy. I received grace. I received Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 14. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. His grace, God's grace, was exceedingly abundant. When he was blinded on a Macedonian trail or road, God spoke to him. He had a miraculous change in his life, and his life went from Saul to Paul. His life went from serving self and serving Satan to serving God. He says in verse number 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all exception that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. He was the chiefest of sinner. So you are looking at some of your fellow work, men and women, maybe part of your family. You think they are gone beyond the point of salvation. God is mighty to save. If he can save the Apostle Paul, if he can save Ron Sarbel, he can save your unsaved loved one. You have a ministry. And the first ministry you have is to your family. Let the light shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. See your good works. Not your speech. Not your railing on them about how evil they are and if they don't get right they might not make it. Let them see your good works so that they'll glorify our Father which art in heaven. I was the chief of sinners," he said in verse number fifteen. Verse number sixteen, he mentions this: "Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on Him to life everlasting." He was given praise to God not only for the abundant mercy that he received, but he was given praise to God for those who haven't received his mercy and his pardon as of yet. For a pattern to them that should hereafter believe on him. Put your loved one's name in there. They will accept Christ. That's our prayer. That's our hope. That's our belief. God can have a Macedonian experience with them, God can speak to them as he spoke to you and I. Verse number 12, he says, I thank Jesus Christ. Who was Jesus Christ? Look at verse number 17. Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honoring glory forever and ever, amen. Slide number three. Paul admonishes a young preacher by the name of Timothy. Verses 18 and 19. He said, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck." So he mentions to Timothy. He says, "There's three things that are necessary for you to keep strong in the Lord. First of all, you've got to war a good warfare." In 2 Timothy chapter two, verse number four, he says this: "No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Fight a good fight. Fight a good warfare. There's war out there. Satan, God, light, darkness. There's a war over your soul. So he said to Timothy, if you're going to hold on to the faith, fight hard. Fight with all you've got. But realize this, that there's someone in you that is greater than you yourself. So you don't have to fight the warfare by yourself. You can fight the warfare empowered by the Holy Spirit. Enabled by the Holy Spirit. So he says hold on to your faith, verse number 19. He said don't lose the grip holding faith. Hold on to it. It's the anchor of your soul, faith is. Don't lose the grip. Stay true to your calling. Stay true to your ministry, your service. Unto the Lord. Hold faith. If we go back a little bit to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3. Verse number 6. He tells the Hebrews. He says. Hold faith. The Holy Spirit would say to the church here at the Hope. Hold faith. Don't lose the grip. Look at verse number 3, Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 3. Here we go. Three six, 3, 6, But Christ has a son over his own house, whom house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. If we hold fast, the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Verses 12 through 14, same chapter. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the desirous of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ... Verse number 14, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Let's go back to 1 Timothy once again. He tells us in verse number 19 to hold the faith, to hold fast. Then he gives an illustration of some that did not hold fast. They let go of their grip. They didn't allow themselves to continue on. He mentions a couple by name. Verse number 19, Holy faith and good conscience with some having put away concerning faith hath made shipwreck of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander whom I have delivered unto Satan that they might not learn to blaspheme. They put away their faith. They thrust away. They beat off. They repelled. They rejected. And then... He gives us a couple illustrations of that. Chapter four, verse number one of First Timothy, says this, "Now the spirit speaketh expressively that in the later time shall, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So Paul says, "If you want to be an overcomer, hold fast, fight a good warfare. Paul went from failure, the victory how because he held fast if there was a man who went through a lot of tribulations and trials persecutions it was the apostle paul but he held on how did he hold on first of all he was empowered by the holy spirit remember in acts chapter 9 when he was blinded the spirit came upon him and later on as they laid hands on him he was and endued with the Spirit of God, and he walked in the Spirit the rest of his life. Number two, he always accompanied himself with good friends. Good Christian friends. We need good Christian friends. We need someone to hang on with us. For when we're beginning to slide a little bit and slip, they're the ones that can lift us up back into the boat or into the household of faith once again. So Paul said, I once was, but now I am. What is your testimony? I would suggest that you would write your testimony out. Write it out. Read it over and over again. And as you have opportunity, you can share your testimony. Paul said, I once was, but now I am. That's your testimony. I once was, but now I am. Hold fast to, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to anyone that asketh you the reason. Sometimes we want to give before they ask. And we put a barrier up, don't we? But as we let our light so shine, they're going to ask. You're going to have opportunity for ministry. Right where you are, right where you work, right where you go to school, right in your neighborhood, God is able to make all grace abound. Slide number four. We must all labor. We must all work. We all have a ministry. You know, in Canada, they have the ministry of education, the ministry of finance, so forth and so on, ministry of. And there's a lot of ministries that have gone on this morning right here in this church And it wasn't by myself or by Pastor Norm or Pastor Barb or Pastor Roger. It was by other people doing their ministry. There's a lot of people in our community that have a ministry, have a job to play. And when the power went out, they were busy doing their thing behind the scene so that we might have the enjoyment of electricity. That's one bill I never mind paying, my electric bill. It serves and serves and serves me over and over again. But there's a lot of people in our community who have different job descriptions. And if they do their job description, everything is going to be run decently in order. In the factories, in the schools, there's job descriptions. And if you follow your ministry, your job description, things get accomplished. We all must labor. Or work for the Lord. Some have said we're saved to serve and not saved to sit. Saved to serve, how can we serve? Now remember, serving the Lord is more than just what we do here in this building. More so, it's what we do outside this building. But it should come to the point where we do things within this building also. Jesus called 12 disciples. And he's still calling disciples today. Amen? Go with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, he calls his disciples, and he gives them some instructions. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting the net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from henceforth, he saw two other brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Wow, what a job. How easy was it to get those four disciples? They immediately left. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Jesus said, follow me. How can we follow Jesus? Jesus had a calling. He saw the fishermen and he called them. I want to make you fishers of men, and they followed. There was a calling and there was a following. We've been called out of sin, and He was mighty to save, wasn't He? Yes, yes. Then He wants us to follow. Followers are simply disciples, imitators. Jesus mentored these men for three years and then he sent them out to do the works of the ministry. How did Jesus work? The Bible says that the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. There's that word again, minister. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. That was his job, that was his calling. He tells us in the Gospel of Mark, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is still day, for the night cometh when no man can work. How did Jesus work? What kinds of work did he do? Well, in Philippians chapter 2, it tells us what his personality was. And because of his personality, he was able to do the works that God asked him to do. Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, he became man. And as a result of becoming mankind, he took on the form of man. Look what it says. Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse number 7. But made himself of no reputation, and took upon the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What type of works did he do? First of all, he didn't have a high and mighty reputation. He didn't say, well, look who I am. I'm the Son of God. When they asked him, he replied that, but he wasn't proud, very humble. He took upon him the form of a servant. For the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. He could have been served, but he refused to be served. He washed the disciples' feet. He had compassion for the sick, for the lame. He had compassion for the hungry. Don't we have a couple loaves of bread and a couple fishes here? We can't send these people home, empty stomach. Let's feed them. Well... How are we going to feed the crowd? Jesus said, that's not a problem. He blessed the food. He had compassion on the people and he sent them on their way. He overcame accusation after accusation. He was tempted in all points as we've been tempted yet without sin. Jesus, he did the works that his heavenly father had called him to. He became a servant instead of one who was served. Let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us tell of his wondrous work in love. And when life is over and our work on earth is done, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Labor! labor's good. Labor is necessary. Labor is needed. Slide number five. What is ministry? Talking about this word ministry. From the Greek word, it means to be an attendant. To wait upon. To host. To be an attendant. To wait upon. To host. Last night, went to a restaurant and The waitress came up and asked us what we had need of. We told her. She responded and brought to our table what we had need of. She waited on us. To have a ministry is to be able to wait on people, to attend people, to host people. It was predicted by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 61, can we spin there real quickly? Isaiah chapter 61, verse number 6, it says this, But ye shall be named the priests of the Lord, men shall call you ministers of your God, ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and their glory shall be boast among you. Ye shall be called the ministers of the Lord. Now this is sort of a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 61 about the Lord Jesus himself. Listen to these familiar words, because you hear them also in the Gospels. Isaiah prophesied, And the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of the vengeance of our God, "...to comfort all who mourn, to appoint unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness." This was some of the ministries of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Him and anointed Him. Notice, what is there, about seven different things to preach. To preach simply means to proclaim. So when you're proclaiming, when you're giving your testimony to those that you work with, you're not preaching, preaching, but you're proclaiming. So in order to have a ministry, I think if we would do these seven things, we would be very successful. And God would be very honored and pleased. Notice to preach the good tidings under the meat. To bind up the brokenhearted. Know any brokenhearted people? You can minister to them. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Know anybody who are captivated? Liberty to the captives. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? To comfort all that mourn. That's a ministry. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. A lot of discouraged, rejected, despondent people in our world today. How are you going to minister to them? Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works. That's how you minister to them. You go into the office with, with, office with a step in a song, someone's going to notice you. And most likely, you might have had a bad day yourself. But you know, we don't live on our bad days, we live on what God is doing within us. And bad days can turn into better days. That's how you minister. They don't want the Roman road of salvation, 8 o'clock in the morning over coffee. They want to just know that something's bubbling up within you. Something's brewing within you, the Spirit of God, to minister. So those are seven things that was prophesied that Jesus would do, and those seven things we can do also. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. I'd already quoted that scripture Mark 10 45, I remember my first church I pastored in Ionia. There was five prisons there. And one of my first converts worked in the prison in the penitentiary. And uh, he took me into prison for prison ministry. And what a wonderful thing it was. But on my business card I put Mark 10, 45. For the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. If we go down a couple verses in Mark chapter 10, look at verse number 45. It's the one I just quoted. Verse number 43 says this, And so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you will be your minister, will be your servant. If you want to be first, be last. That's Jesus' way. That's not the world's way. If you want to be the greatest, be the servant of all. It's God who promotes, right? He'll give the promotion. So we find out that when we aren't fearful of sharing a testimony, whether it's verbally or silently, God will honor us. Ministries. There's a lot of ministries. Look back on your life and look at the different ministries you've been involved in. Some you excelled in, and some maybe you didn't excel in. One of the ministries that I really excelled in, I was a preacher's kid. And back then, they had a lot of parsonages. They didn't have an opportunity to buy their own home. I lived in a parsonage, one of my pastorates, and the other four, I was able to buy my own home. But because I lived in the preacher's house, and because I was a preacher's kid, I had a ministry. Every Saturday morning, I'd go out to the garage and put some gasoline in this little contraption, pull the handle, cut the grass. That was my ministry. Parsonage grass, church grass. And then Dad would run out and say, Ron, why don't you cut Mr. Brown's grass also? Mr. Brown and Mrs. Brown was our neighbors, and they were elderly. So I'd cut their grass. Didn't question, just did it. I excelled in that ministry. In fact, when I pastored in, down in, uh, not Rockwood, but uh, Roseville, the church was built on five acres. And probably four of the acres was grass. And I remember one day I was out there on the riding lawnmower, just putzing away, having a good time, singing and whistling. And someone came up and went, Whoa! I said, Pastor, what are you doing cutting the grass? And I said, because I like it. I like to cut grass. Oh, okay. And on they went. I noticed Norm cutting grass here. I noticed Pastor Norm doing a lot of things around here that isn't ministry behind this pulpit. But it's ministry. I excelled in that. I remember cleaning the church. Clean the church all the time. It wasn't a chore. It was just, well, it was a chore. It was just something I did every, every week with my mom and dad. You know, we cleaned the church. Remember when I went to Bible college, God called me into the ministry and went down to Bible college, Central Bible College, same place Pastor Norm and Pastor Barb went to. And while there, I went to a little church called Willard. Guess what? I excelled in my ministry at Willard. Cutting the grass. That was it right there. Cutting the grass. Cleaning the church. One day, Pastor Clay came up to me and said, Ron, he said, "Uh, would you like to be the youth pastor here? And I said, yeah, I really would. I'd take that as on." I got promoted. You know, I went from cutting the grass to being the youth pastor. Then one day he said, Ron, would you like to preach? And then he said, Ron, would you like to lead songs? No, I don't think I'll lead songs. I'll let Mary lead the songs. But When you're faithful in small things, God will make you ruler over larger things. Not just when we get to heaven, but here. Small things do count. Did you know that? Small things. You might think that you're unnoticed and unappreciative. But God sees what you do. Small things are important. And for some reason, God always promotes you to the next level because there's someone else to train in the smaller things. Not everybody wants to get behind the pulpit and preach or sing, but there's a lot of things that we can do. Slide number six. Jesus gave us a little teaching on work in Matthew chapter 21. In the parable, he talked about two sons. He said to the one son, he said, want you to go to work. And the son said, sure, dad, I'll go. I'll be happy to go. He said to the other son, would you go to work in my vineyard? He said, no, I don't want to. And then it came to pass that later on, the one who said, I didn't want to go to work in the vineyard, he went to work in the vineyard. And the one who said he was willing to go to work in the vineyard didn't go to work in the vineyard. And he asked the disciples a question, which one had the right attitude? It wasn't the one who said, I'll go. But it was the one who said, I won't go. Have you ever said, I won't go? I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll go, Lord. you got to be careful when you volunteer for something. It's better to say, no, not at this time. And then the one son repented and he went to work in the vineyard and he was rewarded largely for it. And the one guy who said, I'll go but didn't go, he, Jesus, compared him to the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They had religion. They knew what to do, but they didn't do it the right way. They didn't accept it. Jesus as your Savior. The moral of the story is here is do, be doers, not just hearers. Slide number seven. From failure to success. I've got a pastor friend who some of you may know. But he had a desire and a calling to be a missionary. And he, with much zeal, went into, resigned his church, went down and took all the necessary testings and went before the board to become a missionary. And he was appointed as a missionary. So now it was time for him to raise the funds, which is no easy task. So him and his family and his children began to go Sunday after Sunday to church to church. And one Sunday, he was in North Dakota, where his wife was from. And he was traveling home, and it was just him and his son. Wife was not with him at the time. Wife was with her folks, I believe. No, she was home. She was home. And he hit some ice, and he spun out. I got a call at 5 o'clock in the morning and said, Ron, I got a job for you to do today. Can you handle it? And I said, I guess so. I I thought he was going to send us down to uh, downtown Detroit where we were remodeling an old theater and making a church out of it and having revival services there. And so Bill and I would go there couple times a week and help him remodel this old theater into a church but I thought to myself why is he calling me at five o'clock in the morning and he said Ron here's my job I need you to go to my house and talk to my wife before I call her my son is dead we've been laying in the ditch for about four hours no one has stopped to help us I cannot move I'm paralyzed And my son is dead. Somehow someone saw the lights in the ditch a couple hours later and and rescued them. And and they took uh, Isaiah one way and they took Bill another way. And he said, I don't know where my son is. I don't know where I am. But he said, I want you to go there and talk to Bonnie and let her know what happened before I call. So I get dressed, go over there, knock on the door. At this time it's probably about 5.30, quarter to 6.00. And uh, that was probably the hardest day I've had in the ministry. Bonnie heard it and she let out a scream. And then she began to walk around the apartment. Praising the Lord in tongues. Sit down on the piano and play. And I stayed with her all that day. But anyway... When Bill got back to Michigan, he said, what a failure I am. I can't raise my support to go on the mission field. God had given a vision to plant thousands of churches in Indonesia. Maybe some of you know who I'm talking about now. He said, I feel like a failure. And I said, well, Bill, you haven't failed. So he went back to pastoring for a couple years, and then he said... I've got to itinerate. I've got to raise my support. God has a calling upon my life, and I've got to get to Indonesia. And he raised his funds in record time. Three or four months, he raised his fund. When he got to Indonesia, instead of going to Jakarta, he went to a little town called Milan. And there at Milan, he was sent to language school. And would not you know it that him being misdirected, he thought was really the direction God wanted him to go because one of the instructors there was an Indonesian pastor. God had given a vision to him that he should build thousands of churches in Kalimantan, which is Borneo. We would know it as Borneo. Bill had already planned on planting churches, hundreds of them. Everybody thought he was foolish. But him and Chuck got together, and they did it. And they had great success. We, Burton, sponsored the church. Mary and I sponsored the church. For $5,000, or it was 3600 I guess, they bought five hectares of land. They built a nice uh, church with a parsonage on it and gave the pastor an opportunity to uh, raise some crops for his family. Bill was a... Mighty worker for the Lord. In order to get one of these churches, they he selected Bible college students, ministry, and if they got 5 baptized families in the village, they would build them a church. And that happened. He raised the money. It wasn't hard to raise 3600 bucks to support a pastor for a year and a half and build the land. But ministry, I say all this to say this. Sometimes you might think you're a failure in the ministry. You've tried to do something and and it really never worked. Maybe it wasn't the right timing. I don't know. But God knows. You are never a failure in the ministry. You might think you are, but really you are not. Ministry. Christian service. Slide number eight. Let's skip down to there. Romans chapter 12 gives us an outline of ministry. And then I want to close by giving you a whole list. I I got a book called Your Gifts and Ministries, and they had a whole list of ministries that, that they'd mentioned. But in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 talk about a relationship to self. In order to have a ministry... I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So first of all, you got to have a relationship with God yourself. Then you have a relationship with the church. God first. Then a relationship within the church. Verses 3 through 8 talk about a relationship in the church. So I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So we've all been dealt a measure. Is it a pint? Is it a gallon? Is it five gallons? Is it 55 gallons? I don't know. We all start somewhere and it might be with a pint. But God will advance us from a pint to a court, to a gal, and so forth and so on. As we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Then he talks about the ministry gifts, verse number six. Prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhorting, giving, ruling, showing mercy. So there's a ministry to self, there's a ministry to the church, And then he's given us a ministry to society in verses 9 through 21. Don't have time to read them this morning, but look at them. I'm going to highlight some of the main words, some of the main ministries that we can have to our society. Beginning with verse number 9. Love. 10. Kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. Not slothful in business. Rejoicing in hope, patience in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, giving to hospitality, bless them that persecute you, rejoice with them that rejoice, weep with them that these are all ministries. If someone is weeping, weep with them. If someone's rejoicing, rejoice with them. If someone is persecuting you, bless them. That's a ministry. Verse number 16, be of the same mind. 17, recompense no man evil for evil. Verse number 18, live peaceably. Verse number 19, don't avenge yourself. Verse number 20, if your enemy is hunger, hungry, feed him. If he thirsts, give him to drink. For in doing so, you shall reap coals of fire upon his head. Conviction. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Them are all ministries. Now in the book, Discover Your Gift, let me read some ministries. Remember, ministry is not profit. Apostle, evangelist, pastor, teacher, creative ministries, music, choir, dramatic readings, trios, quartets, drama, puppetry, bulletin boards, decorating the church, arts and crafts, praying and healing ministries, intercessory prayer, anointing with oil, prayer breakfasts, prayer groups, hospital calls, Praying by phone, prayer chain, fasting, prayer counseling, practical ministries, office help, doing mail outs, church kitchen help, nursery work, custodial work, repairing things that need to be repaired, writing letters, preparing communion, child care, financial support, advertising, missionary barrels, sports programs, ushering, hospitality, work parties, work parties, yeah, recreation programs, helping people move, educational ministries, Bible teacher, workshop leader, youth ministry, retreat speaker, church library, seminar leader, adult classes, children's ministry, discipling, counseling ministries, prayer counseling, marriage counseling, teen counseling, Pregnancy counseling, encouraging others, home visitation, hospital visitation, problem solving, follow-up calls, crisis center, inner healing, hotline help, outreach ministries, child evangelism, mind teams, bus ministries, drama, street witnessing, outreach centers, coffee house outreach, men's breakfast, women's luncheons, door-to-door witness, vacation, Bible school, leadership ministries. Organizer, planner, troubleshooter, home group leader, missions coordinator, church administrator, caring ministries, hospitality, food bank, hospital visitation, food shut-in, hospice care, woman shelter, uh, helping hands, uh, rides to church, on and on and on it goes. Ministry. What you think probably is least of ministry is probably ministry. Slide number nine. Four things we can do, and we're not going to expand on them t- this morning, but let me, just, let me just read them to you, okay? Four things we can do. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. Present yourself. Present yourself. Ready for service. If you present yourself, God will honor you and use you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You present. What do you present? Your body. Your body a living sacrifice, holy. That's your reasonable service. And then in verse number 2, it says we've got to renew our mind. So in order to be in the ministry, we've got to renew our mind. Once we're saved, we're saved. You know, our spirit sort of gets, gets it, but our mind doesn't get it. So it says you've got to renew your mind. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. So present yourself, renew your mind, and we could go into a whole sermon on that from Ephesians chapter 4, but what is it meant to renew your mind, to get the mind of Christ, to think like Christ thought, like? Third step, Have a testimony or have an understanding. What has God done for you? There's two types of testimony a silent testimony and a verbal testimony. How and where can we be a testimony? Wherever we are, we should be a testimony. And then, step number four, we got to deliver a plan. Got to have a plan. Jesus said the next day he was going to go to such and such a town, he had a plan. Paul said he was going to go to such and such a town. And when he got to the town, he was going to go to the synagogue. And when he went to the synagogue, he was going to do some teaching. And when he got done with teaching, he was going to go into somebody's home and going to have a prayer meeting at somebody's home and going to teach the Word. Got to have a plan. I will, is what the one son said. I will go to work. And he didn't. The other son said... I don't want to go to work, but later he repented, and he did. Sarah, can you come up and help me, please? Thank you, Sarah. Play a good old-fashioned hymn for me, would you, please? Huh? (laughs) She told me she won't. Before the service, she said, I'm not playing a hymn because I don't know a hymn. I said, how about playing a Her then? Her is going to play. There she is. Isn't she sweet? Look at her. Psalms chapter 111. In Psalms chapter 111, I see the word work one, two, three, four, five, six times. It says, praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. We did that. Then it says, The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure on them. His work is honorable and glorious, and His righteousness endureth forever. Verse number four, He hath made His wonderful works to be remembered this do in remembrance of me he hath made his wonderful works dying on a cross was that wonderful to us it was but to him he said oh lord may this may this cup pass for me nevertheless lord not my will but thy will be done some of the things that god may ask you to do aren't going to seem so wonderful but as you get involved, God is going to turn that not so wonderful into a wonderful experience. And you're going to turn around and say, I'm glad that I followed through on this. Have you ever been called late at night or have you ever been called to help somebody or to do something? And the old flesh says, ah, That's not me. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will. I'll do it. And when you get done with the job or the ministry, you think to yourself, wow, if I wouldn't have done that, I'd have really missed out. That has happened so many times to me, and it has happened so many times to you. we got to get out of the mind, and we got to get into the renewing of our spirit and become obedient, even as Christ did. So he said, thy works are marvelous. He has showed his people the power of his works, that he might give them The heritage of the heathen. The works of his hands are verity and judgment, and his commandments are sure. Verse number one, it says, I will. Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord, the psalmist said. I will praise and tell of his works. Stand with me, would you please? I don't know what area of expertise you have and I don't think God is really interested in your expertise. God is simply interested in your willingness. It's not who you are or I am, it's who He is. And as Pastor Norm comes back and as he shares with us his vision for this church, and the community it's going to be you and i who are going to be a part of that it might be inviting someone to church it might be giving someone a ride to church it might be going to help the homeless i don't know what it is but you all have a very important ministry look around in your neighborhood close your eyes for a minute and envision your neighborhood and say a little prayer Lord what ministry do you have for me in my neighborhood do you know that your neighbors saw you get up to go to church this morning your neighbors know more about you than you know about they know Lord how can I let my light shine what can I say what can I do It might be, as they did in the old-fashioned days, bring a loaf of bread or a cake to the neighbor. I remember the days the neighbors used to come. Can I borrow a cup of sugar? Don't happen anymore. In fact, they won't even they won't even borrow your lawnmower. They'll go out and buy a lawnmower. We got to have our own stuff. But envision your neighborhood. Lord, what ministry do you have for me in my neighborhood? Right now you are seeing people. Right now you are seeing situations. And God is going to empower you and enable you. I thank God that he has called me to the ministry and hath enabled me, is what the Apostle Paul said. And I think we can say that same prayer, First Timothy chapter 1, verse number 12. Once I was, but now I am. Not only do you have a testimony, you have a ministry. Father, we're so thankful we can call you Father because you made it possible through your Son, Jesus Christ, for us to be adopted into your family now because we are at the family we have sat at the table and you have prepared and distributed to us that which we have need of not only for ourself ministry to self ministry to church ministry to society Romans chapter 12 as Paul so beautifully outlines it God we have received what you have given us this day. Now, Lord, as we go out into our community, our society, help us, Lord, to be what you'd want us to be. Help us to say what you'd want us to say. Help us to do what you want us to do. In Jesus' name. There's an old hymn. It's called Make Me a Blessing. Let me read it to you. Out on the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad. Carry the sunshine where darkness is rife, making the sorrowing glad. Tell the sweet story of Christ and his love. Tell of his power to forgive. Others will trust him if only you prove true every moment you live. Give as was given to you in your need. Love as the master loved you. Be to the helpless a helper indeed. Unto your mission be true. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Out of my life may Jesus shine. That's my prayer for you as you leave this place. Out of your life may Jesus shine. Father, we're thankful that not only do you bless us, but we're going to be a blessing to others. Not only are we going to be a blessing to others, but Lord, we believe that many are going to come into the fullness of the knowledge of truth because we let our light shine. Father, help us not only to renew our mind, but help us, Lord God, to renew our vows. And we'll thank you for it. And all God's people said, praise the Lord. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.